this is Daniel White the third president of Gospel Light Society International with the White House family devotional reading of Charles Hatton Spurgeon's Treasury of David. This is episode number 185. Tonight we're in Psalm 1820. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands hath he recompensed me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Viewing this psalm as prophetical of the Messiah, these strongly expressed claims to righteousness are readily understood for his garments were as white as snow. But considered as the language of David, they have perplexed many. Yet the case is clear, and if the words be not strained beyond their original intention, no difficulty need occur. Go ahead, Spurgeon. Break it down. Albeit that the dispensations of divine grace are to the fullest degree sovereign and irrespective of human merit, yet in the dealings of providence there is often discernible a rule of justice by which the injured are at length avenged, glory be to God, and the righteous ultimately delivered, yea, rewarded. David's early troubles, may I just interject something? God rewards his own righteousness in your life, his own obedience obedience, if you will, that he gives you the grace to do. Now that's deep. That that might be even deeper than Spurgeon right there. I, God just put it, he just dropped it in my spirit. That's a revelation for you. We've said it in other ways. I'm saying it in a different way. God, because I mean, it's, we have no righteousness, let's be real. And, and last night when we read about how that God repeated that he uh, blessed David because David obeyed him, kept his commandments, kept his statutes. When we all know David didn't always do that. <clears throat> so what is God talking about? He's talking about his own righteous, righteousness that David, by the grace of God, humbled himself to express his own obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit that David allowed to uh, work in him and through him. So, if you will, the free moral agency part, the human part, is, yes, impacted by the grace of God, and I know I'm going deeper than what some of you want to go tonight, 
in this devotional service, but uh, uh, God rewards his righteousness and his obedience that you do, and the free moral agency thing is all about your choosing to allow God to work through you, uh, your choosing to uh, uh, learn from the chastisement that God put you through by the grace of God and learning how to fear God so that, in the words of Dr. T.D. Jakes, I bet you I won't do that again. Hello. I'm going deeper than Spurgeon by the grace of God. <coughs> Sometimes God will give me something. So let's 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 not get it twisted. <laughs> we have no righteousness. We are not only unrighteous, we're depraved. And that's that's worse than that. Okay, we're depraved, man. We can't produce righteousness or holiness. Let's keep it real now. Amen. So, so God, he'll, 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 he'll get a man like David, who is unrighteous in his ways and has done some. He should have gone to prison for ninety-nine years for what he did. But God knew his heart. He was a man after God's own heart, because if, if you read the whole story about David what God loved and liked about David is that in most cases no matter what the situation he would acknowledge the Lord and ask the Lord Lord do you want me to do this he acknowledged the Lord in all of his ways Probably more than, than no doubt, most men of the world. And that's what made him great. He had that kind of heart where Saul did not. See, he was willing to acknowledge the Lord and respect the Lord and fear the Lord. And obey the Lord and, 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 and do what the Lord tells him to do. Like all human beings, even saved human beings... He messed up a few times, but that was not a pattern of his life. And he learned from his chastisement. That's not Spurgeon. That's God giving me that to help you. See. God rewards his own Holy Spirit produced obedience and righteousness. In you. Now we we can just go ahead on and close, but uh, I have I have other things I have to do to stay on track. My my children don't like for me to get off track. <laughs> my youngest three children they don't like for me to get off track, especially my daughter, my youngest daughter. She doesn't like it. Her attitude is if you if you're gonna do it, do it, do it every day, <laughs> because they don't want to get backed up. They don't like it. It, it. it messes with their scheduling and everything else, and they don't like it. So I have other things to do. 
because when you have people, when you have young people who are serving the Lord on their own and not being made to do so, and not getting paid because they don't, they won't even take any money for it. My daughter Danny probably told him that he's too poor. Don't take any money from him. And so, so we do a lot in these services, and they don't like for me to take a day off to, you know, they want me to take a day off, but, you know, but they, they know that when we do that, it discombobulates everything we're doing. We try, we try the, uh, the, like the half devotional, and uh, that, that was just, it really got them off track, and they don't like that. And so, and, and they know it's important, and they want us to, they want us to keep on rolling. So I have other things to do tonight. I'm just telling you what God just gave me. I, I know that may be hard for some of you to take. Because you think you're righteous and you're not. And you're probably lost if you think that. You're totally depraved. There's no righteousness in you. See, see. Um, God and Jesus, they're rewarding what they put in you. And help you to learn to do by the power of his Holy Spirit. Now that's deeper than you, wanted to, you want to go. Most of you are not going to get that. Some of you are going to have to get that by freight. That's not coming... Uh, next day out. It's too much. It's too much. Anyway, David's early troubles arose from the wicked malice of envious Saul. Uh, and I want to tell you something. He went through. He went through some tribulations with Saul. When that, listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. Whenever you got somebody who is hell bent and is demon possessed. To want to kill you for no reason. That is a serious problem. And you had to do some you you have to do some serious running like David did. Now I don't believe Solomon was gonna kill his brother. He may have. I don't know I don't know. But he was smart and he he ran to Pharaoh in Egypt. We read about that last night. He didn't come back until Solomon was dead. That's what you better do if you got somebody like that. Uh, huh? Tell me they're going to kill you. <laughs> you better go see Pharaoh and stay down there with him for a while because he's not going to mess with Pharaoh. But Saul was hell-bent. Thank God for Jonathan. But Saul was trying to kill David. David could have killed him. But David is the one who said, touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Saul, who no doubt prosecuted his persecution under cover of charges brought against the character of the man after God's own heart. Go ahead, Spurgeon. There's a very uh, strong and critical publication online um, 
But every now and then they'll bring up something they like. And I, I, I like this too. Um, there's a preacher over in Great Britain with the great English accent who's preaching through the sermons of Spurgeon. And, um, and they highlighted that in their publication. And I'm, going to, uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube. I'm going to listen to some of that. And uh, I listened to a little bit already. But uh, to hear Spurgeon preach. And they, people criticized Spurgeon and said he was uh, gross in his language and foul in his language. And use street talk and stuff like that. But anyway, these charges David declares to have been utterly false and asserts that he possessed a grace-given righteousness. There you go. A grace-given righteousness. There's no other righteousness. You don't have any righteousness, and I don't either. Tell the truth and shame the devil. It is the righteousness of Christ, a grace-given righteousness. Only Spurgeon can put those words together like that which the Lord had graciously rewarded in defiance of all his, what? Come on, Spurgeon. Calumniators, what? I don't know what that is. Um, I'll, I'll probably have my wife look that up and I'll tell you what that is tomorrow. But Spurgeon, he'll do that every now and then, come up with this polysymbolic word nobody knows never went to college but very very wise and very educated before God the man after God's own heart in fact he never went to college but do you know he had his own school and the I think this was the first preacher book I ever read lectures to my students it fired me up a young preacher barely nine barely into my 19th year of life. Yep, I was still 19 years old when I read that book. Lectures to my students in old English writing and all of that. But buddy, it, 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 I felt the fire from that book. That was my first education. Spurgeon's Lectures to My Students. Anyway, before God, the man after God's own heart was a humble sinner. But before his slanderers, he could with unblushing face speak of the cleanness of his hand. My hands are clean. That's all David's saying. They're not clean because of me. They're clean because of the blood of Christ. I have not tried to kill you, Saul. You tried to kill me. You know the Bible. what the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. My hands are clean. Yours are bloody. Yours are dirty. Stop running after me trying to kill me. I love you. I love everybody. I've shown great respect for you. I could have killed you myself. But God told me, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. My hands are clean. And the righteousness of his life. He knows little of the sanctifying power of divine grace. 
who is not at the bar of human equity, able to plead innocence. There is no self-righteousness in an honest, in an honest man, knowing that he is honest, nor even in his believing that God rewards him in providence because of his honesty, may I add, because of the honesty that God puts in his heart. He can then say he's honest, not because of his own power, but because of God's power, God's grace. A grace-given honesty, how about that? For example, I, uh, my wife knows, and I have told her for the past 34 years, it's, it's not me. I have nothing to do with it. I have never lied to my wife about anything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I told her some, some things that most husbands would not tell her, tell their wife. I remember riding in the car with my mother after my wife and I had a few problems. And she told me, and this is, this, is, this is what they are about. This is what they've been about for years. Which is very troublesome because you can get into a whole lot of trouble carrying lies and hiding stuff. And I told her I confessed something to her that I had done wrong. And uh, she said, now, Danny, you are not to tell anybody that. It's okay that you told me, but you should not be telling me. I'll, I'll keep that. I'll keep some things you ought to keep to your grave, to the grave. See? And, you know, and, and I, you know, she's my mother, and I did not snap back at her or anything. Uh, but I did utter this right here because I was a grown man. I said, uh, I can't live my life like that. God won't let me live my life like that. I never lied. I have never lied to my wife about anything. Now, I know that's hard to believe because most men are liars. I know that. It's not me, though. It's the Christ in me. I didn't lie to my wife before I got married. I didn't want her to be shocked and surprised that I had been with other women and uh, two of the women got pregnant and I had babies out of wedlock. That's not anything that anybody should be proud of, even now. I, uh, I'm not proud of that. And, 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 and of telling you that. It's the Christ in me that brings about that grace-given honesty and transparency. I told my wife that before we got married. And I, I asked her, if you can deal with it, deal with it. If not, let's, let's cut it off now. And one day when we were first married, my mother called and uh, she wanted to talk with me about the other children. And she whispered and said, is uh, Marika in the room? Your wife in the room? I want to ask you about uh, the other children. We had, we had not even, we, 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 we hadn't had any children ourselves. We were very young in the marriage. And I told my mother in a loud voice, I was not whispering, I said, 
uh, anything you can say to me, you can say in front of my wife. I told her that. I said, I don't roll like that. I can't live like that. Not because I can't live like that, not because of me, because I'm a wicked sinner. Depraved. That that was Christ in me, even at that young age. See, that's what that's what Spurgeon is getting at. A person can say they're honest if they are honest by the grace of God. And they know it. He gets all of the glory. You must understand now, God and Jesus must get all of the glory for all of this. Now, if you can't, listen to me, if you can't save yourself from hell, then you can't do the righteousness that is expected of you by God going forward. He has to do it in you. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The reason why I, I know, I believe that my wife is not saved because she has lied to me multiple times. Lied to me about stealing my cashews. Lied to me about stealing my food out of the refrigerator and they lied on the children. And so that would move me to ask her, now are you sure you have never had sex with another man besides your husband? Some of you men look at you, some of you look at you men, I can't believe your mouth is wide open. You're afraid to ask your wife that. You're afraid to ask her that before she got married, before she got married to you. And I'm telling young men, don't be afraid to ask that question because it's going to come up. Ask it before you get married. Some men who are not called to preach like I was, that won't bother them. Harry married a divorced woman and she was already opened up by another man. And, and, and it evidently has not bothered him. Sometimes, I mean, there's some men, that kind of thing does not bother them. But uh, the way God wired me and called me, I, I wanted to marry a virgin woman. And I was seeing many women at the time, uh, and there were some women better than my wife as far as looks, as far as uh, had it going on and all of that. But when it came down to the question, because I asked them, are you a virgin? And all of them to a woman told me they were not. And I couldn't, I just could not marry a woman who was not a virgin. Now, my wife Marika said she was a virgin. And that proved out uh, on the marriage night. Uh, uh, but I have asked her, uh, because if you can lie about some cashews, if you can lie about some cake in the refrigerator that you stole from me, and then lied on your children about it, and uh, you stood right beside my oldest daughter, Danny, and stole my bee pollen product that I got from the health food store 
opened it was a new opened it and got your spoon and ate some of it right in front of Danny. And then when I walked in, lied and said you didn't eat it. Right in front of my daughter Danny. It's hard for me to believe that you'll lie about little things like that. And not lie about committing fornication or adultery. See. That's real talk. And she would even... Uh, Swear before God on that. That she never did that. And I do know this. And I hate to admit this too. But. Uh, what kind of helps a little bit with that part. Is that when I tried to get. A, when I tried to get her before we got married. When I tried to get it before we got married, she refused me. And that she's the first one who ever did that. It was good that she did that. But, uh, but uh, so I have, to, I have to look at that right there because she, she did not, she refused to do that. And I, uh, you know, I'm older than she is and much more persuasive and all of that. And she didn't fall for it. So I have to I have to take that into account on that issue. But it is troublesome that you you were steal my cashews in the first place and then lie to me about it and the children caught you doing it. My la my last three daughters, they 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 I went to sleep, my cashews were behind my back, and she Waited till I went to sleep and got into my cashew can and stole some of my cashews. And my daughter, Danae Carter, my daughter, Daniqua Carter, and my daughter, Danielle Carter. I said, look at that, you caught red-handed. And that was the first time she admitted she'd been stealing my cashews. You say, well, preacher, why doesn't she have her own cashews? She could have had her own cashews. But she does not want to ask for anything. She's too proud. And and I really don't want to give her anything on my own because she doesn't appreciate it. Does not show appreciation. When you you when you you know, your husbands all good husbands are gonna think about their wives and their children when they go to the store or whatever. They never want no no good husband wants to break, buy something for himself and not buy something for his wife and children. No, no, that's not in that's not in most men, even lost men. There are many lost men who would not do that. As a rule, man, it's just automatic. You want if you're going to bring you a little snack home, you want the children to have a snack for sure. And, and you want your wife to have it. Why? Why, man? Tell me. Because you want somebody to enjoy it with you. See? Uh, and so if you're going to have an attitude and you're not going to enjoy it with me and, and you're not going to talk about it and show appreciation for it, I ain't, I'm not, let me just say it this way, I ain't buying you nothing. <laughs> no, not Danny B. I'm not going to do it anyway. Like these sweet evangelicals have told uh, you all to do. No matter how evil they are, you do it anyway. No, no, no. God does not do that. Look at me real good. God does not do that with us. I don't care if you get mad about it or not. You're not a queen bee. 
You've been disobedient. Dishes always dirty. Houses dirty. Uh, uh, clothes are dirty. You got the same old rags uh, that I left you in in the morning. Children are stinking. Have not been bathed and have not been changed. No, girl, I ain't, I ain't buying you nothing. And you, and then you don't appreciate it when I give it to you. So I don't, I don't just buy stuff like that for her. See, and some of y'all, you men know what I'm talking about, and you women know what I'm talking about. Too proud to ask. See. But but see here's the here's the here's the other here's the other part, see, that you need to understand about people who are not saved. Jesus talked about it. They love darkness rather than light. She loves the thrill of stealing my cashews behind my back when I go to sleep. See. She thinks she like as we used to say back in James City, she pulling the wool over my head, see. Why? Why does she? Why? Why would she want to steal it? Because it's evil. Augustine taught us this. Augustine said, "I didn't. I didn't need the fruit that I stole from the man's backyard. I didn't even eat it. I gave it to the animals. But I love the thrill and the evil of stealing. And for those of you who have been involved with sex most of your life, see." What you loved about it was the tabooness of it. See, the evil of it. See, and, and so forth and so on. And uh, and the, the people who are now all caught up in homosexuality and all of that foolishness, they love the darkness of it. They love the evil of it. They don't love the person, really. They, 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 they love the, that it's so taboo. And people are so against it. See. And that's why you can get hooked. Heterosexual sex. You can get hooked. And it's hard to get out. People who get caught up in homosexuality. Evidently they can get hooked in it. See. And it may have a greater pull. Because it's so evil and so. Uh, backwards pun not intended by the way okay see uh, so 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 how is it that I can say I never lied to my wife I've never lied to my wife before we got married since we've been married good bad and ugly I'm not telling you I, I, I'm not saying that I just only told the truth about the good stuff and the nice things about me no no I told her about the bad things about me as well from Jump Street and let me tell my mother you know if you if you if you're doing your little secret thing with my grown children and tomorrow well you didn't you know that you you have two you have a sister and a, a brother and so forth and so on you, you know what my children gonna say yes you know why they're gonna say that because they heard their names uh, prayed for by me when they were conceived. Up from the time they were conceived. When they were sitting on my lap, I prayed for my other children. They know their names and everything else. And I believe one of my daughters, she, thinks, she doesn't think I know. They communicated for a while. They communicated. 
My, I'm not going to tell you which daughter. She thinks I don't know. Before she left home, they communicated together. Uh, and I don't, I, I, I don't think that was a good thing either. But it happened. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't do that to. See, I cut all that. Excuse me. All that mess out. I was not going to live my life the way my, and I love my family. I'm not mad at anybody. But I am, I am not Daniel White Jr. I'm Daniel White III. And he let that stuff go on. He didn't like it either. But he let it go on. These little secrets. On both sides of the family. And I love all of my family. My grandmother Timber, sweetheart. But she pulled that on me. She, evidently she was put up to it by my mother and, 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 and dad or uh, somebody or something. I, you know, the porch was where it was at. Grandmama's porch was where it was at. You understand? In the hood down in the cut. On the other side of the tracks where the tracks run right in front of the house on the dirt roads. Now, my grandmother, Timmy, she loved, she loved it me. She loved me. She loved all of her grandchildren. She was one of the greatest grandmothers ever. A very unique individual. And she died with black hair. Because she was almost 90-something percent Indian. My dad's hair stood up on his head. He never, he never had a knot in his He never had to comb out any Negro knots. <laughs> Straight up, Indian blood. Cher I guess it's Cherokee or whatever. Uh, sweet as you can be, a woman of great integrity, great respect. She was respected all over the community and carried herself with great pride and dignity, man. And, and worked for the white folks and did all of that. Nobody, we didn't see all of that though. She was basically uh, like almost. Uh, like a housemaid for many years. But let me just say this. That takes, that, that, see, it's good to know about that because it takes you on back. But one day, my grandmother had seen me on the hill hundreds of days playing with my cousins, throwing the football, throwing the baseball, Playing G.I. Joe, playing marbles. And she just loved it. Oh, she loved to see that. Growing up, uh, growing into a young man, getting ready to leave home, and all of that. And so one day, when I was, I had just graduated from high school or something, and we were talking as we normally did. I mean, you know. She popped on me. Now, you know, I mean, just out of the blue. Out of the blue. And I, I want to say what the old deacons used to say. We don't want to prolong the time. That always killed me because you cannot prolong the time. <laughs> but I got to tell you this. And she told me, now, Danny, Danny boy, let me tell you. She, she was just, you know, one of those grandmothers who just know how to say it so lovingly to you. 
Oh, she made you feel so loved. She made all her grandchildren feel loved, man. Yes. But she said this right here, very loving too, but uh, it was crazy to me. She said, she said, Danny boy, let me tell you. You're a young man now. And uh, I'm getting ready to share some tears, I tell you, when I think about it. Uh, she said, now, you know you have a brother. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, my grandmother, she was shocked that I said that. I said, no, I don't. I, they said, you know you have an older brother. I said, no, I, not not me. I don't have an older brother. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but that's what they did, see, back in those days. And all of you black folks from the South, you know what I'm talking about. It's secret, these secrets. And, and secrets so bad that some people in the family have committed incest with their cousins and all this kind of mess like this. You're related, cousins. Or, you know, you know, back in those days, they called them a second cousin, third cousin, fourth cousin. Uh, craziness. And they be sitting on the porch, they knowing what's going on, and they know whose child it is and all of that, and they don't say anything. That's wickedness. But my grandmother told me, and my dad never told me, my mother never told me, and shame on them, too, for doing that. They probably put my grandmother up to it because they knew I would take it better. Because I was already rebellious, so I know my dad didn't want to tell me that. And, and for some reason, my mother didn't tell me that. And so I guess they put her up to, to, to do it. And she said, now, you know you have a brother. And just very nonchalantly, like it was nothing. I said, no, I don't. I, I, I rejected that out of hand. Yeah, he's an older brother. Your dad had, had an out of wedlock with a seven-day business family up there on the hill. What? And then she said he was a priest. I said, what? You people got to be kidding me. I said, yo, no, uh-uh. I, I can't accept that. I, I, no, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a brother, so. I, I can't, no. I can't. But that was very disappointing. And I, I guess after I got saved, I said, I'm not going to do that to my children. Or to my wife. And we've never had a problem about that. God worked it out. Where they got married, and I, my philosophy is, if you are not going to marry the woman where you had a child out of wedlock, don't be going over there interfering with the, the, uh, that man's family. Because ultimately, when the child grows up, you may know that that's my father and that's my child and all of that. But ultimately, the people you grew up with, with in your family, that's your family. So that's how I felt. And that's how... Uh, they would feel. Now, if the mother and the father wanted me to spend time, that's fine. But when you have a child out of wedlock and you marry somebody else and she marries somebody else, you got to let that ride. Who do you think you are? Someone, I want to come and see my child. Man, you are. Uh, that ain't right, man. Because I knew if, if I had... God forbid, did that myself, which I would have never done that. That is, marry a woman with somebody else's child. Uh, I wouldn't want to see the Negro. Nowhere. At any time. I don't want to hear from the Negro. 
You understand me? See, I wouldn't want it. Hello, everybody. <laughs> no, sir. I wouldn't want that. I showed them the same respect. And, and God has a way of working all of that stuff out. See. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I had some part in their lives and so forth. But I, I, re, I, I believe you ought to respect whoever marries her. If they want that kind of thing, that's fine. Uh, but most men do not want another man around the woman that he had sex with her before. And they know each other like that. And then, then here comes some Negro talking about, uh, I want to see my son. I want to see my daughter. I'm taking care of this boy. This is my son. I'm the only father. You know, you go, you didn't choose to marry the woman who had the baby. That would be my attitude. All this talk about. And then some of the baby mamas, they're the worst. Some of you baby mamas, you're the worst. Some of you. I don't care if you like it or not. And don't let me get started. I got to get up out of here. And so let me, don't let me get started on that. Some of you baby mamas get married. A man think enough of you to marry you and your child or children. And and then you all of a sudden, well, I, I want, I want little Jaquan uh, Kendrick to know his real daddy. And uh, I want uh, Javana to know her real daddy. And so I want, you know, I would like for them to know and for them to come by, for him to come by and, and, and take his children out and stuff like that, right? There. Well, Negro, you should have, Negress, you should have thought, thought about that before you got married to me. That's what I would have said. That's what I would say. We ain't, we're not doing that. Because if, if he's a man who understands what goes on with women, she's never going to forget that man. Especially when she sees him. And as bad as he might have been in the past, once she sees him again, he's not that bad now. Particularly since I'm married to Mr. Boring uh, Jeff over here. And then and let me just say something about this incident that happened with us, this family. Here's another sad, demonic case, excuse me, of a silly-minded woman. I don't care if you like it or not. People, some of you women need to tell the truth to your women friends. I, I wouldn't have to tell them. I would never have to call them silly-minded. But this is stupid stuff. You women get so caught up with Bo Peep that you will... Do with Bo Peep, who's not related to your children. If he tells you to lock them up in the laundry room and put handcuffs on them and tells you to pour Clorox on their genitals and all kinds of demonic mess like that for punishment. Pardon me. And you love it, that man, more than you love your children. You ought, girl, you ought to be locked up. I don't care if you like it or not. You people have lost your righteous minds if you ever had it. And this happens over and over and over again. 
women they 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 lose the man the 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 baby's daddy somehow and they get so hungry for penis and Mr. Penis comes along they will do anything to keep it even harm their children that right there is unforgivable well I'm not I'm a preacher so I can't say it's unforgivable but that right there is close to being unforgivable no man should come before your children that you had with another man and you are not to let that man punish your children or do any harm to your children and quite frankly some of you women, you had you opened your legs and had two or three children. I don't care if you like it or not, man. I'm talking to you like a father. You hear me? You need to keep your legs closed. Stop worrying about your knees. And you got and you got black and white women doing this. Don't get mad at me. Yellow and red, and women, white women. The white women will leave their children at the house by themselves while they go to the club and get drunk. And some of you black women are doing it too. This happens over and over and over again, and just some get caught. You're so hungry for a man, you don't care who the man is, and you bring these devils over your children, and they molest your children, abuse your children, kill your children, and you still trying to stick with that man. And you're not going to hear it like this because you're hungry for penis. That's what you're hungry for. You're addicted to it, and you want to keep it, even if your children get harmed. And the devil is a lie, and you are too. I don't care if you like. I have to. I unfortunately, I have to tell you the deal. Tell you what's up, because you don't have a mama who who's telling you anything, or a grandmother who's telling you anything anymore. There's no ladies in the church telling. Everybody's hot to trot, and trying to get their groove on, and, and old. Especially my, my, my generation, the baby boomers, have lost their minds trying to be cute. They trying to be a cougar and get men your age. They, 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 they don't have the moral authority to tell you anything. In the church. See, people, you, I, I should have been done already. They can't tell you, and they trying to run with you, child. You you have seen them out there at the club and down there hunting after some man to take home. Old as Methuselah in some tight jeans. Botoxed to death. Cheap Botox. Cheap booty lift. And you think that people can't tell... How many of you seen a street walker, but you run up on them? Whoo, wow, what in the world? You see, you act like a street walker. You don't know it. You think you, you, you cute. You're not cute, baby. You're 55 years old, 60 years old. You have grandchildren you need to be tending to and children. I say to my baby boomers, act your age.
And then some of you will say what I saw on a shirt the other day. They said, I don't know how to act my age. I've never been this age before. But stupid stuff like that. Anyway, let me try to close before I go off some more. For such is often a most evident matter of fact. But it would be self-righteousness indeed if we transferred such thoughts from the region of providential government into the spiritual kingdom. Go ahead, Spurgeon. For their grace reigns not only supreme, but soul in the distribution of divine favors. It is not at all in opposition to the doctrine of salvation by grace, and no sort of evidence of a Pharisaic, Pharisaic spirit when a gracious man, having been slandered, stoutly maintains his integrity and vigorously defends his character. A godly man has a clear conscience and knows himself to be upright. Is he to deny his own consciousness? Uh, let me say that again. Is he to deny his own consciousness and to despise the work of the Holy Ghost? Now, some of this is going over your, your heads, but Spurgeon is dealing with this, may I say, by hypocritically making himself out to be worse than he is. What? I don't have time to, to go, go any deeper than that. Should he be a hypocrite to, to say that he's worse than what he really is? A godly man prizes his integrity very highly, or else he would not be a godly man at all. Is he to be called proud because he will not readily lose the jewel of a reputable character? A godly man can see that in divine providence, uprightness and truth are in the long run sure to bring their own reward. Again, I go back to saying how God rewards his own righteousness in you and obedience to you, uh, obedience through you. And this is a fact that you have to accept. May he not, when he sees that reward bestowed in his own case, praise the Lord for it. Why? Because the Lord is the one who did it. I don't praise myself because I've never lied to my wife. That's not even in me to give myself credit. I'm not saying that to you to, to make you think I'm a great and wonderful guy. I have never been a great and wonderful guy. And I'm not a romantic either. I'm not a sweet guy. I'm just telling you the Jesus in me, the Holy Ghost in me, has led me not to lie to my wife. See, because see, there's something about that, by the way. If you're lying to your spouse, you really don't have a, a, a relationship worth anything. Your spouse? Come on. Yea, rather must he not show forth the faithfulness and goodness of his God? Read the cluster of expressions in this and the following verses as the song of a good conscience after having safely outridden a storm here comes another word that I've never seen before. Obloquy. 
QE. What? Make sure we look those words up so I can share these words with the people tomorrow. Persecution and abuse, and there will be no fear of our upbraiding the writer as one who sets too high a price upon his own moral character. That's deep. That's one of the deepest devotionals I've ever read. Shall, shall we pray? Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I praise you and I thank you for your deep holy word and this deep devotional. Not only from your servant Spurgeon, but from your Holy Spirit that you, gave, you put in my heart. Uh, this was amazing, and this is amazing. And I give you the glory, praise, and honor for it, and help us never to forget it. Never, never, never. In Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Now, dear friend, thank you for listening to the White House family reading of Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Treasury of David. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's how you can be saved from hell and walk with the Lord throughout this life and in the life to come. In that wonderful place called heaven, First, dear friend, accept the fact that you are a sinner and that you have broken God's law. The Holy Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, accept the fact that there is a penalty for sin. The Holy Bible states in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Third, dear friend, accept the fact that you are on the road to hell right now as I speak. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 18, 8, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Also, the Bible states in Revelation 21.8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, dear friend, that is all very bad news. But here's the good news. I have some good news for you. It's called the gospel. Gospel means good news. Jesus Christ said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So just believe in your heart 
my dear friend, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt, that you owe God. Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins as the sacrificial Passover lamb of God for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ went through hell and went to hell for you so that you would not have to go to hell. He was buried and rose from the dead by the power of God for you and for me and for everybody so that we can live eternally with him in heaven. He did it for you and me. He did it for us. Pray and ask him to come into your heart today to save your soul, and he will save you. Romans 10, 9, and 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what, you ask? Saved from hell saved to what you ask saved to heaven to be with God and to be with Jesus Christ and to be with the angels and the saints of God forever my dear friend if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins was buried and rose from the dead uh, by the power of God Trust in him today. Believe in the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ today. And uh, in your heart. And please pray with me this simple prayer called the sinner's prayer, which should be a reflection of your heart, of what you want to say to God since you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat after me phrase by phrase and mean it from your heart. Holy Father God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I have done some bad things in my life in your sight. I am sorry for my sins and today I believe in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Father God, for Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon me and please forgive me of all of my sins. Please forgive me of all of my failures and my faults. As I now believe with all of my heart in your Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and rose from the dead by your power. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and save my soul from the hell that I deserve and save my soul to the heaven that I don't deserve. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit 
and help me to truly repent of my sins and to turn from my evil ways and to follow you in the new life, Lord Jesus. For it is in your holy name I do pray. Amen. Now, dear friend, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day, allow me to say to you congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ, please go to gospellightsociety.com and read my book titled What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Dear friend, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, please email me at dw3 at gospellightsociety.com and let us know. We have some free material that we want to send you. If you have a proper request, please email that to us as well, and we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you, we love you, and may God bless you real good is my prayer.